So we are concluding our little three-week sermon series that we've done on vacation. It's a biblical concept, and we talked about the need to be deliberate about making time uh, to be quiet, to, to quiet the noise of the world. And, and then we've also talked about uh, the need to sort of stand back on occasion and evaluate the pace of our life. I mean, and these are things that I'm just sharing with you, things that, that I regularly do when I get that vacation that we get to take, that I, I use this as an opportunity to sort of take stock. And one of the things that I do when I'm on a vacation is I take some time to remind myself that I have to make room for God to work in my life. Um, I don't know what your predisposition is, but my predisposition is ready, fire, aim. Ready, fire, aim. Let's do something. Let's get something done. And sometimes um, I'm sort of like the two-year-old. Um, I do it myself. And, and so I have to regularly remind myself that I have to make room in my life for God to be at work. And so um, our text today comes from Exodus, and we're going to be talking about how we need to make room in our life for God to be at work. So our text today is coming from Exodus, and let me just remind you what has transpired until this point. So Moses shows up and says, let my people go. And then we go through the whole ten plagues thing, right? And so the Jews have seen all this. They've been a part of all of this, right? So Pharaoh finally relents and says, okay, you can go. And then they loot Egypt, right? They have all this gold, all this stuff that they've taken from Egypt, and they're free. Well, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he starts chasing after them. And where we are in the, our text is the Israelites are run up against the Red Sea. So they got the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptians behind them. And that's where our text starts. So it's Verse, it's chapter 14, verses 10 through 22. I know it's a little long, but it's a cool story, so hang in there with me. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. 
Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And so I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his chariot drivers. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his chariot drivers. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. So I don't know about you, but whenever I read this passage, all I can see is Charlton Heston holding up his staff, the wind blowing, and, and the special effects that they have of the Red Sea being parted and the, the Jewish people walking through it. And... Um, just a reminder that the special effects look kind of cheesy uh, these days because we have computer animation. I mean, this was state of the art back when this movie was made. But as far as I'm concerned, Moses was Charlton Heston. I mean, I just, it, I'm sorry, but it's just in my brain. But in this text, you know, God has freed the Jews. He, he has freed them. He's done all of these things through them, and they come up against the Red Sea, and they blame Moses. They turn on Moses. They're trapped. And this time of crisis, their first reaction is to blame Moses. And then they say, oh, we, we, it would be better for us to have been slaves. It would be better for us to have never left Egypt at all. Now, we've talked in previous sermons that that's the Back to Egypt committee, right? The, the people that just are afraid of change and just think it'd be better to go back to what we know. And the truth is that that's really kind of our human nature. We, we like things the way we like them. And when we are forced to change or when uncomfortable things come our way, sometimes our reaction, our first reaction of ready, fire, aim, might not be really the best course of action. Moses tells them as they come up against this, and they're blaming him, this is all your fault, Moses, don't be afraid. And I love this. Moses tells them, do not be afraid. He doesn't say, remember what God has done in the past. Uh-uh. He says, see what your God is about to do for you. I love that. I mean, that's great leadership to be pointing them to what God is about to do. Some confidence that God's about to do something for sure. And he says, 
God is about to do something you will see. And the message translates it something like this. So Moses has said, just be still. God's about to do something, be still. The message translates it like this. God will fight your battle for you, and you keep your mouth shut. It's a good lesson for me, Mr. Ready, Fire, Aim. Keep your mouth shut. And give some room for God to do what God will do. And then I love this verse in verse 15. So God, we've now gone from Moses talking to God speaking to Moses. And he says, Moses, why do you cry out to me? Get your people moving. Even while God is fighting this battle, the the Israelites don't get, get to sit there and do nothing. They have to move forward. And God reminds Moses, okay, I'm fighting your battle, but you just don't get to sit there. You've got to do something. You've got to get moving. Now, we know how this ends, right? We all saw the movie. The Israelites get across. Then the the wall of flame that has been keeping the Egyptians at bay disappears and they all run down in the waters and they all just, they all get drowned. And the Israelites are free. There's no longer Egyptians chasing them and life is grand. But I think there are a couple of things from this text that we can apply to our life as a church but also to our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. The first thing is that when things get bad, when things get scary, when we're faced with uncomfortable things, that perhaps our instinct is to blame somebody else. Our very first reaction perhaps is not the best way to proceed. I mean, we look in this text, the, the first thing they say is, Moses, it's all your fault that you freed us from slavery. And then you have the people that are going, oh, it'd been better if we just never even left, if we'd never tried anything new. I mean, that, that was their first reaction. And it was Moses allowing God to work through him that showed them a different path. The truth is that what we like, what is known to us and comfortable for us, may not be what God is calling us to do. The truth of it is, if God is asking you to do something that is making you uncomfortable, it's probably really from God. God is not about your comfort. God's about the kingdom of God. And so our first reaction may not always be the best, might not really be what we need to do. Now, I'll give you an example, and I think I've talked about this before, but some 16 years ago, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and I had just finished seminary, and I was in my first appointment, 
at Lufkin First United Methodist Church, where I was an associate pastor. And my parents called me on the phone and told me what this diagnosis was. And I don't know what your first reaction was if, or would be in those sort of situations, but the first thing I said was, really, God? You do this? I mean, I do all of this for you, and this is what you do to me? That was my first reaction. I know God doesn't give people cancer to teach people lessons. I know that God did not make my father to have cancer. But yet that was my first reaction. Mr. Ready, fire, aim, right? And so I was able to do some self-talk and, and, and walk myself back from that initial reaction. Sometimes our instinct is to blame somebody else when it's really our own darn fault. So I think the lesson is for us as a church and for us as individuals is examine your initial reaction to adversity because it's in all likelihood, at least in my ready, fire, aim life, it's probably not the right solution. So the second thing that I think that we can learn from this text is that we can't do it all by myself. We can't do it all by ourselves. I, I find myself going through life very much like a two-year-old. I do it myself. I don't need any help. The truth of it is that we have to allow space in our lives for God to do what God is going to do. We have to allow God to work in our life. And the truth of it is, you don't save anybody. You could be the most gifted preacher in the world. And Billy Graham would tell you this. He didn't save a single solitary soul. God did. You can tell the story you can share how God is at work in your life to somebody who is not a believer in Jesus Christ. And if that person becomes saved, I mean, yay, you got to share the good news. But God is the one who does the saving. Lest you forget, it's not you. God saves. We just get to tell the story. We have to make room for God to work in our lives. And sometimes it might look like the parting of the Red Sea. God might work in your life in some miraculous, really outstanding way that is so clear that this is God at work, and that's great. But do you know what I've learned over the years? Is that lots of time God sends people to help you. God sends other believers to help you. He's working through others. So I'm going to share with you two stories. They both come from my time in Lufkin, which apparently was a very formative time for me. I get there. I've been there a week, and 
they had a men's softball team. And I got to go play on the men's softball team. Softball, I'm good at it. It's something I can do. And so I get there. I'm at week three at this church. And so I am uh, out there playing softball with the men's softball team. And um, it was a meaningful game. It was like a playoff. If we, got, if we won this game, we went to the championship. So it wasn't just a couple old fat dudes out there playing softball. It meant something. We could win, right? So, so I'm out there. I'm competing. I get a hit, and I start running, and I'm running from second to third base, and my Achilles tendon goes pow. And somehow I find my way to third base. I'm safe. That's very important that you know I was safe. And you probably can't see, but under this robe, I'm sweating already a little bit. So I sweat a lot. So I'm like holding on to third base, and I am just now a mud ball on the front. And then the guy, the guy that was playing the, on the other team that was a third baseman kind of rolls me over like, ha, ha, fat old man can't run anymore. And he was young. And so now I'm a mud ball on the front and on the back. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really hurt. And, and I knew exactly what had happened because I heard it. And so I'm laying there on the ground telling the umpire I need to time out before I take my hand off the base because I was safe. And two guys from the dugout come and they pick me up. And I have my arms around them and they carry me off the field. And, and for me, um, that was not a necessarily easy thing for me to be carried off the field. That's just, Mike, Mike Tyson doesn't do that. Ready, fire, aim does not let people help him. But these guys carried me off to the dugout. And I was grateful for it because I was in all kinds of crazy pain. But these guys were there. They helped me. Now, were they sent from God or were they just being good teammates? I don't know. But, but accepting that level of help was a difficult moment for me. So fast forward three years later, I have an emergency appendectomy, and I am in the hospital, not very long, but I was in the hospital, and some people from my church came to see me. And it really messed me up. I mean, inside I was like, they're not supposed to be visiting me. I'm supposed to be visiting them. I'm supposed to be taking care of them. I mean, there's this whole internal struggle about this is wrong and rah, rah. And I've told you before that the Holy Spirit occasionally slaps me in the back of the head. Well, he did that day. Right through my pillow on my bed. Whack! And this is what he said. Who are you to keep these people whom I've sent to you from doing what I've asked them to do? They were there to be kind. They were there because God had said, go see your pastor in the hospital. And they did. And I was all angsty and uptight about it until the Holy Spirit went whack. So my question for you is, are you making space in your life for God to be at work? You might have a Red Sea moment where it's clearly the hand of God, they happen. More likely, it's going to come from your neighbor or your Sunday school class member or a coworker, or a spouse or a child. 
And so my question is, are you making space in your life for God to be at work? Sometimes God sends people to help you because whether you like it or not, you can't always do it by yourself. God will send people to help you on your way. So sometimes when things happen, when we catch adversity, we've got to catch ourselves because our initial reaction probably isn't the right one. And when we find ourselves in times of trouble or, or we're, we're having difficulties, make some room for God to work in your life. It's going to come from somebody near you, somebody around you. Because sometimes you can't do it all yourself. You've got to allow God to make a way to help you move forward. We've got to give God space to work in our lives. For some of us, Mr. Ready, Aim, Fire, that can be a challenge. Make room in your life for God this day. Let us pray. Gracious God, we're so stubborn sometimes. We insist on doing it our way. We insist on doing it ourselves. Father, open our hearts, open our spirits to allow you to work in us, work in us and through us, to allow you to make a way forward. Help us in our unbelief. Help us in our need to do so much ourselves. Father, we want to make a place in our life for you to work. Help us do that beginning this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.